It's time for Random Randomness on the BookSpeak Network. Random thoughts, random ideas, random poetry, and random discussion from the novel guys. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Koshinsky, Chris Pisano, and Jeff Young. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Brian Koshinsky. I am one of the writing trio known as the Novel Guys. Joining me today is one of the other members of the writing trio, Jeff Young. The third member, Chris Paisano, unfortunately couldn't make it, so we have a stand-in, Christine Zahor, and hopefully we can get her to do impersonations of Chris. No. No? You want to give it a try? No. You just have to say dude like every other word, and you'll be fine. Punch him in the arm. Dude. Oh, I can punch him in the arm. Yeah. I can do that. There you go. It'd be almost like Chris is right here. (laughs) It's just just like that. So, we are the Novel Guys. Um, We came together to join forces to see if we can get the voices in our head to pay rent. And we decided to come up with four different pen names. Since we write a lot of different genres, we write a lot of different things, and it is kind of difficult to put three names on book covers, we decided to come up with... Uh, pen names. <clears throat> so, not only are we Brian, Chris, and Jeff, we are also um, Apollo Harrison, who writes science fiction, fantasy, and steampunk. We are Victor Bloodstone, who writes horror, suspense, and gothic. And we are uh, Jordan Corvus, who writes young adult and fantasy romance. And we are also the DCM, who writes shenanigans. Comedy, stupidity. So for those folks who don't know you guys, what does DCM stand for? DCM stands for Drunken Comic Book Monkeys. That came about when uh, Chris and I first started writing together. We actually had a syndicated column uh, reviewing comic books, uh, other books, nerdy things. And as more and more websites started to pick us up, we decided that we needed some kind of name to go with that. So... For some reason, we went with the Drunken Comic Book Monkeys. And then later on, Jeff joined us, and he is just as drunk, just as into comic books, and just as monkey-ish. Yeah. (laughs) So now that I kind of introduced myself, Jeff, do you want to introduce yourself to the world at large? No. No, that's okay. (laughs) Um, No, I'm I'm a bookseller first and a writer second. And I wouldn't mind to change that at some point in time. Uh, got two books out currently and been in like 18 different anthologies. And even went so crazy as to edit some of the Drunken Comic Book Monkeys material and put together two anthologies for them. And I am the managing editor for Mendy, the post-apocalyptic Flower Scout magazine. We will talk more about that later. Uh, Christine, if you want to introduce yourself, even though you're not officially a novel guy, you are certainly the dedicated alpha reader to all of our material. That is true. Um, I'm Christine Zahor. I'm actually Brian's wife. Uh, so, uh, But I was actually a fan first. So um, I keep telling everybody at the conventions that I ended up on the backside of the table because there was a seat because I was always there. So I figured I might as well be comfortable. Um, so I am chief science officer, occasional, uh, book wrangler, 
and Booth Babe, um, and always um, project manager for the shenanigans that go on here to my right. Right. Even though we are the the writers, Christine is certainly, by far, without a doubt, the brains of the organization. (laughs) That's not saying much. Oh, no, we we wouldn't be able to function without her. (laughs) You keep the wheels on the ground. Yes. Well, at least two of them. And rolling. And inflated. And on the car. (laughs) All righty. Now that we've made introductions, we can move on to... Random number. 42. The random number is 42. So, where were you and when... (laughs) was the first time you read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Looking at me? Jeff. I'm looking at Jeff. Oh, okay. Um, first time that I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy actually was in college. It was because the girl that I was seeing at the time uh, insisted that she could speak from line to line the entire radio show. Um, I discovered afterwards she was a pathological liar, so this obviously didn't you know, completely fall through, but it definitely made me read the book. And... Public service announcement, May 25th is Towel Day. So yes. make sure you know where your towel is. That is for us tomorrow. 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 Very interesting. <clears throat> and we also learned a little bit more about Jeff's dating life. Anyway, where were you? Yes. And when was the first time you read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Christine. I am pretty sure it was in high school. And I know I read the first three. Um, and absolutely fell in love with the humor and the storytelling and the characters and just thought it was great. I've heard bits and pieces of the radio play as well. Um, but actually, I was just thinking, whenever I think of Hitchhiker's Cut, for some reason, the first thing I think of is actually in the restaurant at the end of the universe. It's the cow that, that is the dish of the sell, day sell itself. and how it's kind of presenting all of its parts for consideration and how it will be humane with itself. What I found out today is that in the TV show that they did of it back in the 70s or 80s, Peter Davison actually played the cow. I had no idea who, and if you don't uh, already know, that's the fifth Doctor, and Jeff, I know, is a huge Doctor Who fan, but that connection, I thought, was really cool. And he doesn't look anything like himself, so well, that's he my was little... a cow at the he time. He was playing a cow. Yeah. A form of a cow, yes. A form of a cow, that's true. I mean, yes, you really don't have... Yes, because it was have... a genetically modified creature that was bred to be eaten. Unlike the vegetables, that very much did not want to be eaten. Very true, very true. Uh, the first time I read it was in college, uh, not because I was browbeaten <laughs> by the girl I was seeing, you know, unlike Jeff. Um, I just wanted to read it, and I actually got a copy of it it was a it was the first three books it was a beautiful leather bound copy mm-hmm. uh read it and now it is actually stored right over there it is uh in my mother's wow. attic uh, among my matchbox cars action figures action figures my star wars action figures broken yeah. legos you know, them dolls right and shogun warriors yes yes you, you had shogun Warriors. guarded right? by shogun Warriors. exactly guarded. You had that as a kid, right? Uh, no. No? No. You have you had Shogun Warrior. No? I did not. I had but sticks. You, That's what I could afford. Sticks. You, you yes. Sticks are your Shogun Warriors. That's what happens. Yeah. Okay. That's where you get imagination from. <laughs> Using Which sticks. Which makes you the writer you are today. Exactly. You've taken your sticks, and in your mind, you've turned them into 10-story tall robot, fighting robots. And now I can buy the spaceships I always wanted. Yes. 
who doesn't want a spaceship. Anyway, so that's the first segment. So we will take a pause and come on back. Sunbury Press Books is your home for the writings of independent authors. Loch Ness Books is our young adult imprint, including Joe Harvey's Summer Changes Everything, Deanne Baker's The Boaters Club, and Arcane Maurer's Forbidden Powers series. Find these and other books by diverse authors at sunburypress.com. Welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for... Random Fortress News. So the Random Fortress News is we, we are fortress. That's the news. I, th- I thought you were novel guys. Well, we can be both. I don't like to live life as situations being or. I like to live life and look at situations as and. So, you know, beer and pizza. No, not beer or pizza. So, we you're can... An, you're an onion. You have layers. I am. <laughs> oh. I am very much like an onion with layers. And the more you peel it, the more you cry. <clears throat> So, so we are both the novel guys and Fortress. So Fortress Publishing Inc. Uh, we own. It started uh, way too long ago. I don't even think about how long ago it started with uh, Chris and I. Uh, we wanted to be writers, and we figured the best way to break into the industry is to learn about it firsthand with some hands-on experience. So we decided to start a publishing company and start publishing some little chapbooks, um, just collections of short stories that we wrote. Uh, we branched out into some magazines. We had a couple titles. We started with uh, Trail of Indiscretion, I believe. <clears throat> and I think that's kind of how we, we sort of roped Jeff into this mess. Started with that, talked to him about it, brought Almost him in. some of my stuff, too, crazy man. I know. Well, it's good stuff. Well, if you didn't want to be published, then don't write good stuff. It's that simple. <laughs> then uh, our our big book was uh, The Drunken Comic Book Monkeys and Scary Tales of Scariness, where Chris and I decided to write ourselves as characters of horror stories. When we decided to do that, we started writing the stories. We realized um, we were actually smart enough to know that we should not edit our own material. So we decided to look for an editor, and lo and behold, who did we find? Oh, that's you, Jeff. Yeah. Sometimes I struggle to admit that. <laughs> As is evidenced of the front cover of uh, Scary Tales of, of Scary every where Jeff DCM looks, book. Yeah, where <laughs> Jeff mostly looks pained and or is the uh, proverbial red shirt of the group, so. Yep. People have actually stopped and said, what are you doing to that guy? People have bought the book just because they saw that you were the editor on the cover. That's That's a true story. And when we explained to them that in the next book, the sequel of The Drunken Comic Book Monkeys and Scary Tales, in science Tales of Science Fiction, Jeff is actively trying to kill us. That usually gets people to buy the book as well. It's only it helps sem- when you have a time machine. Yes. It's only semi-autobiographical. Semi. Only semi. Semi-autobiographical. So, <clears throat> as Fortress, we have a, a couple properties, uh, one being the Drunken Comic Book Monkey line, of collections of short stories. We also have a semi-annual magazine called Mendy, the Post-Apocalyptic Flower Scout. And the editor that is... Oh, that's me again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That one I took on knowingly, willingly. Joyously. And have not yet regretted it. 
Oh, it's early. That sounds like a challenge. It does. I think I think Jeff you just threw down game. the gauntlet. So any by the writer, time we get to issue four, yeah, I'll probably be crying in my beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I think any writer out there who wishes to submit to Mendy has now been challenged to make Jeff regret. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. I well, you did, you did it yourself. Yeah. Okay. You have no one to blame but yourself. Why yeah. don't we tell them what Mendy the Post-Apocalyptic Flower Scout is all about? Mendy the Post-Apocalyptic Flower Scout magazine is a collection of short stories all about Mendy the Post-Apocalyptic Flower Scout. And if that wasn't he, elliptical enough for you. <laughs> he actually does this at the table, too. Yes. <laughs> what if... Every apocalypse you could possibly imagine happens at the same time. And a few that you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. People will imagine them for you. Yes. So that's basically that's basically it. Mendy was a 10-year-old flower scout when every single apocalypse hit the world all at once. And then over the next 10 years, she not only survived, but thrived in this post-apocalyptic environment by following the tenets of being a flower scout, brutally, savagely, and violently. She survived, but not all of her marbles made the trip. Exactly. It's okay. She's guided by two of her ponytails. Yes, her ponytails talk to her. They look out for her. Yes. They do. We also have a line, a couple series of horror novels. We have The Progeny of Devils, the Legacy of Devils, and the Killer of Devils horror series. We'll tell you more about that at a different time. Which leads us to Random Animal. The Platypus. The Platypus. Who, who doesn't love the Platypus? You don't get more random than that. No, it's in fact the animal itself. It's not even just that we picked an animal at random. The animal itself is just a random conglomeration of different pieces, parts, left over after God created the earth. Agreed. On a bender. Yes. <laughs> now, it, it, well. it's a pretty interesting animal. The, the fact that it has venomous or poisonous barbs. Venomous. It's venomous. It's venomous. If you tried to eat it, it would be poisonous. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Try to eat but it. you can only do that once. True. How would you how would you prepare platypus? Very, very carefully. I mean, would you go with the no, barbecue? Just, would you barbecue? You take the take the knuckles off of it. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be a knuckleless platypus. Yes. Okay. Now we need you a public have... service announcement that no platypuses were harmed during the making of this podcast. Oh okay. chicken. Because <laughs> it tastes like chicken. It tastes, it tastes like chicken. Exactly. Everything tastes like chicken. God, you imagine if chickens had poisonous barbs? Venomous. Venomous barbs. <laughs> And or were poisonous to eat because of the venomous barbs, then nothing would taste like chicken. Well, it would. We probably just wouldn't know because nobody ever caught one. Well, our ancestors from 10,000 years ago, when they found out the hard way not yes. to eat venomous chickens. Right. Okay. Probably the same thing with the platypus, really, probably true. <laughs> yes. I think maybe two people have eaten platypus. Well, I don't know. I think maybe someone was making platypus omelets out of the eggs. True, true. Because we, we also know that... Yeah. A platypus is one of the two mammals on the planet that lay eggs. The other being the anchita. And for some reason, both of these animals are in Australia. What is happening in Australia to create these things? That's okay. We're safe from that. Oh, yes. Australia is very and far. Flying spiders and the whole nine yards. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, a, that's a whole different yeah. 
terrifying. Getting punched by a kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get punched by Christine. <laughs> Just as evidenced by that. <laughs> but they also glow in the dark. Oh, and just since this is a, a this is voice, not pictures, I am actually wearing an official Platypus t-shirt that says, go home, evolution, you're drunk. That is true. We can attest to that. So, to close that out. So now we're doing Random Haiku. Novel Guys Podcast. Seven names, three real, four fake. Random randomness. Sweltering summer, a first. Godzilla prancing into the distance. I didn't know I had to prepare a haiku for this. <laughs> Dog ate your haiku. He did, yes. <laughs> oh, Jeff has an extra. <laughs> if I could read his handwriting. What was that first word? Was that recycling? Re-echoing. Re-echo- re-echoing. Re-echoing. What a pretentious machine. Sorry. Re-echoing forest. A female Sasquatch twerking. Betrayed by the swamp. That's the one I get. <laughs> that, hey, that was your choice. It's your choice right. to have the dog eat the haiku. Be careful what you ask for. Do you want to explain why haiku has become synonymous with us? Yes. Oh, you mean now. explain it now? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yes. We could do that. So, uh, when Chris and I quarter first, <laughs> yeah, when Chris and I first uh, formed Fortress, we uh, started creating some products, and we needed to sell them places. So we decided to sell them at conventions. The first conventions we went to were comic book conventions. So, if you've never been to one, it is a, a great place to meet some amazing people, meet some creative talent, and it is also filled with some amazing um, artists. Now, at their tables, they have signs saying quick sketch for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, something. So, as writers, we said, huh, what are we going to do? One act play for $200. That just doesn't seem likely, especially the time needed to do this. So we figured, you know what? It doesn't take all that long to write a haiku. So we put out a sign offering haiku for a nickel or free with any purchase. So, And there, to this day, there are still people who come to the table looking with their nickel, looking for their haiku. Yes. So it, yes. it obviously was, was effective. Yes. All righty. That was uh, what we have for this section. And after a short break, we'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books offers work by independent authors. Our imprint, Catamount Press, explores literature and creative nonfiction of the Northern Appalachia. The writings of P.J. Piccarello, including the Northern Appalachia Review Series, an annual publication for under-recognized literature. Also check out Dennis LeBaire's Appalachian Gross Dog, a boomer's memoir. Find these and more at sunburypress.com. So we're going to move on to... Random Cool News. Oh, that's me. That's gotcha. right. I keep doing that. So the random cool news is that science has found a way to look into the past in terms of smells. 
Uh, it's not something you think about right away, but new technology and the fact that some of the technology is actually portable now makes it possible for them to take mass spectrometers to digs and things like that where they can actually look at fresh out of the ground things that they find in terms of pottery or incense burners or things like that and they can try and determine exactly what was in it. Um, a lot of museums aren't real keen on letting you open things once they're sealed so they have to work on things that are already open. Um, they've already used it on various incense burners um, and they've been able to determine what was actually there. One of the things that they're looking at right now is they were trying to determine what perhaps the perfume that Cleopatra wore was actually made out of. So the way you do that is you go backwards. You go to where it's made. Uh, there's a place uh, called Mendes that's actually on the delta of the Nile. And they were able to find the places where the perfume factory was. And when they discovered that, they found out what they believe was in the perfume, which is pine resin, cinnamon cassia, true cinnamon, myrrh, and moringa oil. Um, so there's two different kinds of uh, cinnamon, one's from the outside bark, one's from the inside bark from different trees. Cassia, come, uh, pardon me, moringa oil comes all the way from a tree in Tibet. So these things don't just grow locally for her, um, but you mix them all together and now you know what Cleopatra smells like. And why would you find that stuff interesting? Because one of the things they're starting to do is considering adding this to VR experiences. So not only do you see uh, things visually, you also get the chance to smell a vision. And you can walk into a museum and smell what Egypt smelled like. Or you can just maybe whiff the ruler. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Because first of all, you described Cleopatra smelling like an IPA. So, okay. Yeah, piney, yeah, pine resin, some cinnamon, cinnamon. in there. Oh, and myrrh. I'm and sorry, myrrh. Yeah, myrrh. you know, we know that a lot of brewers love to use myrrh when creating their IPAs. <laughs> now you disagree with that? Uh, now I know. Okay. <sighs> but I, I didn't realize that, like, basically IPAs were something that, like, the three wise men were going to be carrying around. Um, apparently. <laughs> well, what else would they be carrying around? I don't know. See, you got, you got, you're going to keep digging. Oh yeah. You're just going to keep I digging. Keep, all right. I'll stop with okay. that. But I think it's very interesting that now we know what Cleopatra smells like. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I thought she smelled like betrayal. I thought she smelled like asp. Or snakes. Yeah. yeah. Asp venom. Asp. Because so asps. Right asps. there. You just asps. 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 Are venomous. <laughs> <laughs> because they have poison. Yeah. Yes. If you eat them, they're poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should move on. We're oh. going to hammer that point home. Oh, yes. By the end of this, very much so. Else. Yes. And I think that leads us to random excerpt. So uh, we figure we'll we'll kind of end the show with an excerpt from one of our books. Uh, we decided to go with uh, Satan's Petting Zoo in this particular book. It is about a group of four friends just starting college. They're excited to begin their lives over, leave behind the headaches, the drama, the bullies of high school. The problem is they're local, so the bullies really don't go anywhere. So the best idea they come up with to deal with this problem is to turn themselves into lycanthropes. 
But instead of becoming werewolves like they were hoping for, they became four different animals. Including? A were-ferret. One of them is a were-ferret. We just love saying were-ferret. We do. Every once in a while we'll just look at each other and just say were-ferret. We do. There's also a rabbit, a pheasant, and an ox. So, not your traditional lycanthropes, but it's not what you've got, but it's what you do with it. Exactly. So, if uh, you'd indulge us for a little bit, we will read uh, part of chapter one. Kyle pissed his pants right outside of the Student Union Center in broad daylight with people milling about. Luckily, only Chad noticed. Over the past month, part of Chad's weekday morning ritual was looking over the papers attached to the bulletin board before entering the Student Union Center. This was a part of the college experience, over-romanticized by countless movies and television shows depicting magical events happening at the college bulletin board. They showed that anything he needed could be found hanging from the cork background by a pin or staple, from furniture to computers, lessons on how to play guitar or get into yoga poses, support groups for all kinds of loss or addiction, clubs, and meetings. The most popular were one ads for carpooling or roommates. As a townie who still lived with his parents four blocks from campus, Chad didn't need that. In fact, Chad really didn't need anything that the Flyers had to offer. Clearly, bulletin boards held the heart's desire only for television and movie characters. Real students casually skimmed and moved on, if they even noticed the bulletin board at all, too focused on their phones while moving from class to class. Those who found something interesting pulled off one of the pre-cut tabs from the flyer of note or wrote down pertinent information or took a picture of it with their phone. No one lingered like Chad. Still, if it happened in the movies and television shows, then it could happen in real life since those scripts had to be based on something. The something Chad hoped for the most was the random encounter with the future love of his life. Chad had always fantasized about meeting a girl at the bulletin board. He would reach to rip off the last tab from a flyer advertising a movie discussion group when another hand, one delicate and lithe, would reach for the same thing. Their hands would touch. They'd laugh. A conversation about their mutual admiration for the big screen and small screen would start, and a lasting, undying love would ensue. Instead of getting the girl of his dreams at the bulletin board today, he got a friend who became spontaneously incontinent. Shifting himself closer to obscure his friend from curious eyes, Chad looked around, hoping for reinforcements. Found them. Turning the corner from one sidewalk to this one came Cooper and Heston. A cold sweat forming along his hairline, Chad waved them, waved for them to hurry. Tall and lanky, Cooper scampered like an uncoordinated weasel and made it to Chad and Kyle first. Fancying himself a smooth talker, Cooper always had a smile while effervescent words bubbled quickly from his mouth like poured champagne. Greetings and salutations, gentlemen. How goes it on such a glorious and wondrous... Whoa! Chad had moved enough to show Cooper the emergency. Cooper put a hand on Kyle's shoulder and in a soothing tone asked... Hey, Kyle. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, what's going on here? A tremble to his words, Kyle whispered. That, that, that could have been me. Cooper looked at Chad for an explanation. Shrugging his shoulders, Chad didn't have one. He had no idea why Kyle freaked out 
what, what Kyle freaked out about this time. Kyle had always been a bit of a bird, skittish and flighty, as long as Chad had known him. Once in kindergarten class, Chad had to console Kyle for over an hour after he broke a crayon. When they were ten, they listened to their first heavy metal CD together. Afterward, Kyle broke down into tears, afraid that his parents were going to punish him for listening to such music. <clears throat> they didn't, but Kyle's fears had always inhibited him in certain aspects of his life and manifested themselves in curious ways. Just last year, Chad, Cooper, Heston, and Kyle smoked pot for the first time. Kyle became so paranoid about the government listening to his thoughts that he wrapped his head with aluminum foil. But now, to wet himself in public? Chad was stumped. Right now, he just wanted to help his friend. Cooper, you have any classes? Cooper understood exactly what Chad was asking. As nonchalantly as possible, Cooper removed his sweatshirt and tied it around Kyle's waist, making sure the sleeves draped in front of Kyle's crotch. Using his shoulders to steer, Cooper guided Kyle away. Okay, Kyle, we're just going to call it a day and get you back home, okay? That, that could have been me, was Kyle's only response. Heston finally made it to the bulletin board. As big as an ox, his overweight frame making his run look more like a flustered waddle. Even his acne-tipped cheeks bounced with every footfall. Trying not to sound out of breath, Heston asked, what, What's up with Kyle this time? A secret agent exchanging classified information, Chad whispered, I don't know. Kyle came over to the bulletin board and then all of a sudden he pissed himself. Really? Th that's extreme even for Kyle. I know. He said something about, it could have been me, while looking at the bulletin board. Do you think he was talking about that? Heston pointed to one flyer that Chad hadn't noticed. The sheet of paper didn't make any promises or offer any invites. It asked for a favor. It asked for help. Do you think he knew that, kid? The kid was a black and white photo under the word missing, and only two years younger than either Ch Chad or Heston. He was a junior at South Bend High School. Chad and his friends had gone to East Bend High School. There was a West Bend, but no North Bend. The locals referred to the trios of towns as the Bends, and all the high schools were considered local, but East Bend High was just right down the road from the college. He might have, you know Kyle, he's willing to go anywhere for gaming. Maybe that's how he knew him. He still hung out with the high school kids? Heston asked. Chad scowled a deep eyebrow furrow. Don't be like that. I'm sorry. Heston said, lowering his gaze to his feet. Just upset. They never found the kid from our old high school who went missing the right before her graduation. I know. Or the guy from West Bend four months before that. Yeah. Heston shook his head. Poor kid. Chad chuckled. Kid? You know we were in high school just four months ago, right? Heston's shoulders slumped as he sighed. I know. I thought things would be different now that we're in college. Well, that's the downside of being a townie. We're not the only ones who stayed after graduation. It just sucks to see some of the same assholes who picked on us in high school. Brittany's actually in my English 101 class. Chad put a hand on Heston's shoulder. Hey, at least she's not a cheerleader anymore, so she won't be falling around that herd of sheep. 
No, she'll just join a sorority and bleed along with a different flock. And she's still Mason's girlfriend. Yeah, I see that meathead around campus too. But the good news is, no more ink stains. Heston's posture snapped to as straight as it could be. His eyes widened as he gasped. Dude, don't say their name. Chad laughed. Seriously? They're not They're not going to suddenly appear just because I say their name. They're not like Voldemort or Haster. Heston leaned in close so no one other than Chad could hear him. You're right. They're worse. You don't seriously believe the rumors about them, do you? Don't you? The ink stains are some seriously scary motherfuckers. Piercings, tattoos. I'm not talking about some random skank getting a tramp stamp or a douchebag getting a small tribal on his shoulder. The ink stains are hardcore. Why are they always hanging around our school? Let's end it there. Okay. Well, uh, we've introduced the four main characters. Introduced. Uh, <laughs> introduced uh, some uh, potential conflict. Introduce some potential antagonists. And if you're interested, Satan's Petting Zoo is published by Verboten Books. It can be found online. Uh, and if you just ask your local book dealers, I'm sure they can find it for you as well. So I think that's it for this show. So I'd like to thank uh, both Lawrence from Sunbury Press and Tori for producing. Thanks for letting us be random with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's let us being random with you. Yes. I think that's what I can feel. And on that note, we should say goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Random Randomness, brought to you by The Novel Guys. Tune in again next time for more random thoughts and rambling discussions. Check out Satan's Petting Zoo on the Verboten Books tab at sunburypress.com. Thank you for listening. This is the BookSpeak Network.